Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be, the show of life, the show of sobriety, cocktail magic, the world film, and so much more. It's been a long time coming. I finally had the chance to sit down with Bjorn Taylor and talk about his life. We've known each other for years. We've worked on gin things together. He's a man about town here in Austin, Texas, and his recent chapter of sobriety, about two years long now, is something really, really worth discovering and finding more out about. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Bjorn Taylor. Uh, I think my favorite in old school is Alfred Hitchcock. Sure. I love Alfred Hitchcock because just in the, the notion too that I mentioned about graphic design, I love like Saul Bass. Oh, okay. So he did a lot of the like uh-huh. things, but then I didn't even know that prior to going to school at the Art Institute about Saul Bass, but I loved Alfred Hitchcock before yeah. then. One of my favorite film is um, Rear Window. Dude, yeah. Why? Because of the way it's shot. And, you know, literally, I think the, the fun fact about that movie is there's no music in it. It's only it, the music is played internally in the in the uh, apartment. Oh, I didn't complex. know that. Like so, there's there's no, so if you listen to it, there's no real score. All It's all natural sounds in the actual... Uh, a city and and such that you'll hear. There's a piano player. That's a, that's how they get away with it too. There's a piano player that lives in the building uh-huh. that's playing almost all the time. So it's playing in that background. That's how you get the s- score per se. I see in the movie. So yeah, that's like a random fact. Now don't quote me. It might there might be music in the beginning and towards the end. No, but sure. As far sure. as like the filler part of the movie, like the actual movie, there's like no real score. You're just hearing everything going on in the neighborhood. So go, all right, so go more gritty for me then, because Hitchcock obviously Hitchcock pinned up. Great, I know everyone like so obviously then you know it'll be like Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, but he's not like my favorite per se. I would pick it for that era or that like old school style. Mm-hmm. I'll stick Alfred Hitchcock first. Okay, it's also because of the way he like. The, the the innovations he done in like the way he filmed oh yeah absolutely. like a lot of the things he did filming from you know on a glass plate and looking up at right. something the the way he took like noir and just like kind of just morphed it into his own little thing it, it's there's ridiculous things that alfred Hitchcock did sure that you still see in movies today well he said the f- like he influenced it all, yeah right? scorsese wouldn't be doing his yeah, stuff exactly. if it wasn't for hitchcock yeah and you could say maybe howard hawks if you go back a little bit further mm-hmm. right in film noir but so yeah. all right but, but yeah, again like sure. but super penned up i want to know gritty maybe Who? street kind of filmmaking which there's a couple folks that come to mind that i enjoy but Oof. man you got me i gotta like rack my brain and stuff i might end up like going like real so i'll tell you this and everyone's gonna be like oh god bjorn's so corny I like love Wes Anderson too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, and that, that the reason I love Wes Anderson is because I did theater, and everything, every one of his movies has this like balanced theater, like theatric, like yeah, sure, uh, uh, nature to it. Um, aesthetically, that's why I like. So his writing isn't like the the best. It's to not me. pretty. Good, I'm not gonna. Right? Yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna sit here and say his stories are great. They are interesting. I think my favorite film from him is probably like. 
it's like a cross between maybe Royal Tenenbaums and like, you know, A Life of Quality. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, but the other ones, the writing's kind of lacking. It's, but it's, but everything looks cool. Yeah. Oh, everything yeah. looks just theatrically beautiful. Like Dajering, really don't care for it. Beautiful, beautiful movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. Just to look at it. You're Grand like, wow, Grand Budapest. Beautiful. I, and Beautiful I think movie. Maybe, maybe even one of his better movies. I don't know. It is a better movie. That's why, actually, that was going to say, maybe, that would be like a third yeah. on my yeah, list, yeah. like right after. And then I love Rushmore because it was filmed oh, in Houston. Yeah. For sure. But it's very much not like the, it doesn't show that grandiose like style yet. He no. didn't get there yet. It's like Bottle Rock and that, but he didn't get there yet. Then it's like Royal Tenenbaums, he got there. It's like, yeah. oh, it just opens up, you know, like, uh so it's so, pretty, you know, with with Wes Anderson, obviously Francois Francois Truffaut is a huge influence yes, and yes, very yes, yes. visible one, right? Mm-hmm. And so, the, the, I have a follow up question to this, but for you, when you're doing graphic design, mm-hmm. when you're working on cocktails, is there a present, recent inspiration that you find drives you, or is it maybe just general music that drives you? But man, everything drives me. But for the most part, let's take for instance what I've been doing the Instagram stuff, mm-hmm. right? I kind of stop but you know regardless sure, sure. the bright colors came to me when i was talking with the uh uh what was the the ideal bartender collective that the, the the my friends from new york mm-hmm. that were caribbean blah, blah, blah. and i just started thinking about like bright vivid colors and i remember when i worked at at at, at uh when i was running arrive and vixen's wedding i kept telling them i was like man your Instagram should be super bright and crazy colored. Yeah, totally. like just make it going, make it like Indian, like uh-huh. make it like this, yeah, like oh, vibrant. So I just think and think in my head, and that's the thing. Like when I make cocktails too, I like my my menu has to be bright, and it's not like because I'm trying to be like super gimmicky. Mm-hmm. It's like obviously, I think I learned the rule from it's not a rule from from Justin actually. Uh, he was like, yo, dude, you want all brown cocktails. I said, that's, that's a rule. Mm-hmm. You want all brown cocktails on your menu, right? So you want to have uh, a nice pink, you know, they don't have to be like a girly drink. Everyone wants to think a pink drink is girly. Uh-huh. And when I was at Cowboy, the, the pinkest drink there was had like, you know, cheese in it. Blue cheese. <laughs> so it was very weird. It was a weird sour, you know. Sure. It wasn't this like, oh, frou-frou drink. And even frou-frou is good too. And sometimes frou-frou don't need to be purple or pink. Right. You know, it could be green. You know, it could be like kind of rough looking and be frou frou, you know. So like, but you want this spectrum of of, of of color, right? So I I started thinking to myself, man, I want to I want to I want to see what I'm what I'm thinking because yes. no one was doing it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. so I was like, let me yeah. let me like. So I did one photo. cinematography, right? Yeah, yeah, I just did one photo thing with a with a cardboard box that I made a yeah. light box out of, and I and I made a cocktail. But at first, I did some white, like white backgrounds, because I had to actually do some work. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I was doing some stuff with Diageo. I was like, "All right, cool. I'm gonna shoot these." But then I was like, "I'm gonna start putting some bright colors in here and see how it works." And did one shot with like, you know, obviously I did the complementary colors that uh-huh. I could. So I, I was like, "All right, well, this is a yellow cocktail, for instance." I'm like, "I'm gonna put this up against like a super nice blue, or maybe like a, you know, let me see what would be a yeah. yellow to blue. Yeah, would be the best. Yeah, right. right. So." Um, I started seeing, I was like, man, shit, I can do this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then also I figured out like, you know, YouTube, the greatest fucking thing ever. Right. You know, like I, so I, many resources, so many right? resources. Yeah. So like, this is where I learned how to build the light box. This is how I, you know, was learning. I'm still learning about photography and don't get me wrong. When I was at the art Institute, I took like one photography class, but that's mm-hmm. definitely not enough to learn about like lighting, right. which is pretty much all it takes. Everything. It. Yeah. Everything. Like you don't need, like I, 
from the videos. You don't need a nice camera. You can use every every picture I took was my phone. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know. Yeah. You know, it's you just need great lighting and a good setup and a good eye. Absolutely. And, and com- compositionally. I think symmetry is key for me. Symmetry, that brings back to that Wes Anderson. Yeah. Oh, and you, the yeah. Kubrick, which he oh, took that <laughs> from too. Of like, course, yeah. So it's like, you know, symmetry, right? Um, I'm still learning that too. I got photography friends that tells me tell me all the time, and you 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 take a lot of your pictures like straight on. I was like, I like I feel like that's striking. Mm-hmm. I like it. I understand. What so the, what are they what are they telling you? Is better? I was told by a friend. I'm not gonna call her out because just because um, I won't. But she was like, shoot it from the side, get an angle from the top, and make sure you have some kind of shadow. That's what I was being told. And I was like, well, that's every picture. You know, you look at. Uh, maybe you look at .com or something like that and it's like every right. picture it's like every damn picture you know you look at the bars that shoot you know Death and Co or something like that you'll see that similar here's a beautiful shot and I'm not saying these pictures aren't beautiful I'm just saying like but does but, but be, the stuff you like isn't it's, it's exactly, it breaks the mold it does break the mold and that's the thing I was hearing something about some people are under the curve and you get used to what you do all the time. And that happens when you're a designer or an artist. Sometimes you're like, well, this works and this is what people like. So you right. kind of try to yeah. tread that. But I tread, you know, you kind of want to tread the fuck out and do what you like. Dude, so because okay. you never know. Well, you could break that tent, that, 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 uh, you could make that. Of, co- of course. Does that ever become conscious for you when you design drinks? Is trying to make trying to sure make, that other people like it. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. So I, with that, I always love to design drinks that, well, I mean, it's the way, the way I think everyone should design a drink. <laughs> you take a really good classic. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you're going to make a twist on it, you make damn sure you compliment what, what's going on in the time. What's going on with where, what space you're in? Uh-huh. You know, within my restaurants, I don't try to, you know, I'm not going to do, let's say, for instance, I'm at a Toko. I'm not going to do, um, you know, like a crazy mezcal style cocktail first. Mm-hmm. I'm going to think of the smokiest, you know, Japanese whiskey that's cheap, maybe. Yeah, right. And, or I'm going to think of something in which at Otoko particularly, I took like, you take like gunpowder tea or something. You uh-huh. use something. So you want to replicate what's hip, like mezcal, but you want to use something, elements that 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 matches the style of your restaurant, matches right. the style of your bar. I understand that. I think people understand that. But, you know, people just want to take the easy way out and be like, all right, I'm going to use the mezcal first, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that because no one's going to know if I just use it. No, no, think about other ways you can do it. Think about maybe some, uh, I know we can't get on Japanese oak or something, but you get like, get Texas oak. Yeah, we're in Texas. Yeah. Even though we're in a Japanese restaurant, that's their Texas element. That's also what made Otoko cool too, because the factor is you're not doing this, oh, we're Japanese style. Yoshi's not Japanese mm-hmm. style. It's like this twist of Texas a little bit. You know, he's using binchotan, but he's burning the, the hamachi. Mm-hmm. Like you would <laughs> grill it on the grill here in Texas. So, um, you know, so is, like, it, is it like playing in a genre, basically? Playing in the genre, yeah. yeah. And my thing is, I love fusions of stuff, but I hate hearing that word. Yeah. You know yeah, what I'm know, saying? Like, but I love like, well, let's call it blend. Mm-hmm. A mm-hmm. beautiful blend. Yeah. You know, and also just being willing to, to really love the original. So like I said, when you're building, when I'm building cocktail menus, I do think of my audience first. 
and I think of the space I'm in. I see. And I try to be as thoughtful with like what I'm picking, right? Um, I had to get out of my ego. I remember when I was writing cocktails at first, I was writing shit I like. Okay. Oh, it's like, oh, I like this. A little so more esoteric, end, but yeah, yeah, so I end up with all these cocktails I like. But then I started thinking more. I started challenging myself. In fact, I think a lot of the, a lot of the encouragement that helped me afterwards was writing at midnight whenever you it was a group project, you know, but you're mm-hmm. kind of forced to write a certain thing. You know, you you know, I was told, here you gotta design an African North African cocktail, but mm-hmm. your your spirit is gonna be rum. Now wow. that's you know, I mean, obviously molasses is a lot of places. But, you know, I think particularly, actually, I was told I had to use agricole or something like that. Wow, okay. So that's not a thing. Nope. <laughs> but, <laughs> no. but, 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 but sugarcane is on the west coast of Africa. Sure, and the French, they and, uh, and the fight a little bit about it. So right? you start to just really rack your brain on how you can make that, like, a North African thing. Yeah. And I think the development moved into me making, like, Ra's El Hanout, like, a, a spice syrup. Yeah, wow. Uh, you know, even though that's Middle Eastern, it's very much Moroccan. Sure you know, uh, Egyptian, mm-hmm. Tunisian. So, you know, so how does that work with, with rum? Good with agriculture. Think about that for a second. I think it's it raw. actually lovely. Because exactly. It's punchy, it's raw, it's vibrant. Punchy. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, this yeah. weird spice, you think about the desert, this is the desert yeah. meets like this raw, like, <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, but it, that's the crazy part, right? It made me think out of the box a little bit more than the shit that I wouldn't really want to dr- drink. I'd be like, oh, what yeah. the fuck? I'm not going to drink spice syrup, <laughs> but then I make it and I'm like, holy shit, this is actually really good. It's, you know? a, it's interesting to kind of, I know you're, you, you're not necessarily putting out records or, or big pieces mm. of art on canvas, but you are making menus and cocktails. But when you talk about egotism, egotism rather, mm-hmm. do you ever feel that you must redefine yourself ever so often? Or is it a variation on a theme? So like Prince, for instance, you know, mm. he goes and he writes a whole different genre of record every time, exactly. which I think was a hindrance. I, I love, I love Prince. I'm sorry, two, anybody two out words, there. Two words, Bjorn. Yeah. Batman soundtrack. <laughs> you love it or hate it? I think I hate it. That's not so good. Although the video, one of the videos I saw, I was like, "This is a badass video." But I saw mm-hmm. it post, uh, pre or after he died. Yeah. I was like, "Oh wow, this is a beautiful video. It's a cool video, but the music still sucks." Yeah. To me. I'm sorry, crystal ball, all that. Yep. Yeah, I'm very much. And, but the thing is, after Batman, Diamonds and Pearls, great album. Yeah, oh, good point. You know what I'm saying? Like there was a couple of uh, strokes of geniuses in, yeah, in the sure. early '90s. But yeah, you're right. Reinventing. I don't know, man. I, I, well, obviously, you know, now that I'm sober, I'm reinventing myself in this way that is kind of ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I, I'm a little bit more in touch with ingredients than I was before. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I think more, since I'm not using spirits a lot, although I do write mm-hmm. spirit drinks, you know, drinks with or alcoholic drinks, I write a lot of non-alcoholics now, and it challenges me to work more in that flavor profile. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If I, especially if I'm not working with a uh, uh, non-alcoholic, like elixir, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When I'm just working with total base, just, citrus sugar and what have you like base it's l- allowed me to to play around with so many things like i mean like i'm using you know you steep you know i talked about this with everybody i've like you just steep coke coconut water mm-hmm. and stuff now um i realize again to bring up a toco you know the not that was the first time i played around with non-alcoholic cocktails because 
and I wasn't thinking about non-alcoholic per se, more so than I was just thinking about a pairing that was a tea pairing. So like, you know, I realized a lot of what I do now is steeping and infusing and Mm -hmm. infusing. And yeah, it's allowed me to kind of change myself into this kind of more culinary aspect. Not that I wasn't already vastly into that before, but I think it's like I study, you know, cookbooks a lot Uh now. Like you're, you're which, <laughs> you know, is, like, which is so cool. Like, it's like you you think about lighting now, maybe when you didn't, when you thought about yeah. the script before, but now you think about soundtrack, and it's just a different yeah. element of the it's whole like, thing you're focusing on. And like you said, it's all of it plays together. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's it's so weird, you know. I've been making like you know, along with the drink stuff and you know the Instagram things. I I I see my the pictures and I, and they're actually moving to me, and that's because of the color. Because mm-hmm. I see myself making some videos of making drinks and all this stuff, and it's gonna be something where I feel like it's in thought. Like let's think of this for instance: people kind of enjoy watching cocktail videos and all this stuff now mm-hmm. because back in the days when you know the cocktail uh, uh, resurgence was happening, people kind of enjoyed watching bartenders, right? making these drinks Mm -hmm. and now they're kind of like oh we're over that right but now it's enjoyable because they some of them that that magic's kind of gone because they've learned how to make some of these cocktails so people know what the old-fashioned is manhattan the last word you know these cocktails but they they get enthralled and 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 love it when they see it on screen now like oh my god this is so cool when they're making it something and it and it brings them back it's kind of a nostalgic effect i think now because i know it's only been about maybe 15 years, especially here in Texas. No, but you're absolutely right. There's something that newer generations like mine and yours, potentially, that we are creatives and often we don't have, you and I have the skills, we can can write, we can record and blah, blah, blah. But Mm -hmm. what if you wanted to create something, but you really didn't have the skills? Cocktails and watching a video on YouTube or Instagram are a beautiful medium to make you feel empowered as a creative. Exactly. Without having real, you don't have to have, you can, but you don't have to have those skills when you can you make know, something beautiful. No. And that's what I love about it. Like, dude, I was going, I was racking my, I was so, no, nah, I wouldn't say bored during the, the lockdown, but I was creatively, like, awakened, Amazing. I think, you know, like, and like, it's, you know, like we were talking about reinventing, right? Like, I, I, I felt there was a way to incorporate everything I did, mm-hmm. you know, and I love film. I love I love, you know, photography. I love composition. I love painting. Yeah, you know, everything. And yeah. I love cocktails. Sure. So why not show it in this vivid way, the way I see it? And that's all the time. You know, that is what it. That's everything. Mm-hmm. You know, because we have these mile markers along our life where oh it's, yeah, well, I wrote I wrote a film, or, mm-hmm. but then you're like, well, I wrote a record. And it's like okay, well, those are two kinds of two sides of the same coin. And then you're mm-hmm. like, well, now I like flavor. And all of it just keeps kind of building and building. Mm-hmm. There's something though, because I know you've been very outspoken about your sobriety, not to a point where you're annoying folks. You've been very open about it, I'll say that instead. Mm-hmm. And there's something to me that is really, I don't care how deprecating, but beautiful in the torture of creating as a drunk. We oh, Some of our favorite we, artists, right? We've we talked about as actually, that's a one of the questions you know, old Ernest Hemingway mm-hmm. uh, and his tortured soul. So sure. I, you know, I never really, you know, want to paint the picture that it, it's necessary mm-hmm. 
uh, wait, that drinking is necessary, drinking or you know, or not. smoking weed or whatever. Got it, got it. Have you any of that? I will say, a mind that goes through something like that mm-hmm. and can come out the other side mm-hmm. is definitely a uh, you know, especially if you're in this field, an art field, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a creative, any kind of creative field, and you're like, I don't want to say, I don't want to say drunk, but you're heavily suffering through it, suffering through it, and you drink is if you make it through the other side, yeah, I think your creativity still lies within you. You're still a creative person. Yeah. Now, yeah, in the past, I mean, I you can't take away the genius of like Ernest Hemingway or like you know a Hunter S or something yeah, like that. Any of those guys, like Hendrix, but Hendrix, Hendrix mode, but anybody, you wouldn't. Yeah. I think without the substance, it's they still would be like absolutely brilliant. Sure. Uh, but some really crazy work did come from their being, them being inebriated yes. at, at times. Now, again, I ain't condoning it because I don't, you know, yeah. I, I, I just, you know, but I acknowledge it. It's, I do acknowledge that. It, it, it is a weird thing because as spectators on the other side, we relish the suffering artist. I think so. And that's, you know, I think Kanye West said that thing once where it's like, you know, you know, I'm a, you know, only real crazy people do what i do or you know and this dude is the dude who drank hennessy and came on stage and tossed some nonsense but honestly did that not make him famous <laughs> yeah. who gets famous off of getting drunk at a, <laughs> you know i mean he was hated and inf- infamous yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah. so and a lot of these people do get infamous for that too i mean you know again to talk about Hemingway, he blew his brains out yeah infamous kind of mm-hmm. kind of like infamy kind of like just a really kind of dark yet you know it's a talent, you know. Where are we gonna not? Yeah. <laughs> no, I. You, but it also brought to light good things, Mike. And when you think about this, you know, Hemingway was probably suffering through like some serious mental health issues and repressed sexuality. Right? And, exactly. Yeah. So, and then a whole bunch of artists are the same way. You know, a lot of uh, mental health issues that are just avoided mm-hmm. per se. Does mental health encourage great art? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can ask that question. Maybe true. Yeah. Sylvia Platt. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I right, mean right. the lines that it just goes crazy. Can a, a sex addict like fucking you know Picasso or some shit? Mm-hmm. I love Picasso by the way. That's yeah. not a David on him. man. Yeah, yeah. David. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Amazing, all yeah. he, all he, just a line, just line it all up. Creatives are kind of fucked up people. Yeah. Quote me on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but well, you use kind of, which kinda, is a nice. I think kind of is nice because, like I said, some people make it to the other side. Yeah. Sure. And they believe, you know, look at Robert Downey or something like that, yeah. where you've been through all this stuff, you've been in this like low, and then you make it out. Now, also, some people can skirt. Tell me, what do you mean? When I say skirt, some people can drink and be okay. Oh, right. right, right. And don't necessarily put themselves in the hole. And that's why I'm out here. I'm not like, I'm not preaching the word of abstinence of like from drinking, abstaining from drinking. I'm yeah. very much about wellness and about, especially now that I'm sober and I'm seeing all of, of the ills of my own mm-hmm. uh, industry community per se. Like I don't want to encourage things further along if there's ways to prevent people to go going through the kind of shit i went through yeah um only certain people can handle that kind of shit too i'll say that one straight up because like i've done crazy stuff yeah you know you mean just like in terms to your body or places you've body places things to people and not nothing horrible but i mean like you know definitely some things where i could have gotten myself killed Mm -hmm. and that's not just driving a car i'm talking about getting into the fights maybe getting shot Mm -hmm. um 
Man, Definitely t- been places where I have not should not have been. <laughs> they, I was watching the Mike Tyson show on ABC. There's a new documentary about him. I need to watch that. Which is yeah, it's full. It's full circle. Very balanced about his mm-hmm. transgressions and his success as a man going through therapy, which mm-hmm. for him especially was difficult. But African American man, yeah, you, yeah. you got it's it. It's not man. a promo. It's not a promoted thing to go to a therapist as a African American in uh, general. Of course, it wasn't. Course. At least now it's not. I don't think it's more that. Well, he he said there's a quote. And I'm going to paraphrase it, but when he was sent to jail for rape for three years, mm. he said, "I didn't do this, but I knew for all the other stuff I did, I'd eventually get something." You know what I'm saying? Uh, so yeah. it is maybe like a karmic balance that he realized. The balance, it, yeah. I mean, it, it, is, are we talking that level of darkness or that level of transgression? Shit, it, it, I never got as deep as as Mike, but I think. For all of my ills, I got what I got. got it's yeah. already kind of cleared. And yeah. I'm not saying that I'm a no. perfect human being yeah. and I still have problems and I still have mental health issues I deal with. But I definitely, you know, I suffered through a DWI number two mm-hmm. when I was 23. I had one in Houston, mm-hmm. 2008. As soon as that one cleared, I got another one. The same month, I got a PI. Oh, really? Yeah. Craziest thing. I got a PI and a DWI in the same month. Wow. How do you even get a PI? Sometimes, let me tell you that, that was my probably my fourth PI in life. Yeah. So it's very hard to yeah, get, right. get a public intoxication. I won't go into super details about all of them because they're all, they're all crazy. One of them, I actually got pretty bi- badly beat up by cops in Houston. Oh, wow. Um, but, you know, uh, that one was pretty fucked up i'm not gonna lie about mm-hmm. that that was messed up i was at my property but the property i was at really nice neighborhood they didn't believe i lived there i lived with some strippers i had dropped my i left my phone and my mm-hmm. keys at at, at, um, at the bar i worked at and took a cab home and i couldn't get in i was locked out and the neighbors called the cops on me oh my god crazy shit this- <laughs> and they came and they did not believe me i told them it was my address i was a little drunk yeah obviously sure but i wasn't yelling but they just jumped on me i was in the gate they're like you need to get out of the fucking gate there's like a gate yeah. in the dance like in the the, the beginning or in the front of the apartment uh it's like a apartment town home yeah sure it's like you need to get out of that gate and i was like i'm not I'm like i live here i just don't have my keys i was like i'm call i, I don't have a phone can you call my roommates they'll i live here mm-hmm. Nah, they beat the fuck out of me. God damn it, <laughs> and, and you know, it's funny. And then I had, it was funny signing in. It's the address. They're like, you live there? I was like, yes, I do. God damn it. Yeah. When it, I, I've tried to understand, especially over this past year, year and a half, mm. what kind of privileges I have. And I'm very fucking aware. Mm-mm. Cops don't, they don't treat me like that. And I have to come to terms with that experience. I'm not going to really ever, I can empathize, but I'll never experience that. Mm. And the frankness and the lightness of which you just shared that with me means that you just come to expect that you're going to be treated like shit. It's, uh, it's everyday thing. That's why I'm wary. And a lot of black folks are wary. I, I you know, like I said, I in that certain situation, I was put, put in that. Now think about, I put myself in that situation, right? I was drunk. I'm the one that showed up home without my keys. And sure. But think about people who don't put themselves in that situation, just end up mm-hmm. in the hands of an unruly or just not a good officer. Yeah. And I'll be the first one to sit here and say, I, I can respect people that do that job. Mm-hmm. Um, am I wary of all of them? A hundred percent. Because 
of the amount of power that's given to them is just ridiculous to me. And I think we live in the, you know, shit ain't perfect, but I think we live in a society where communities should be taken care of by the people who live in the community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So don't tell me that you're going to have cops patrolling from like a suburban neighborhood and in an urban neighborhood. That makes no sense to me. Not qualified. Try to try to get more people that live in that neighborhood. Yeah. You know, as much as good people that you can get, because I understand it could be people that come in there underbelly or what have you. There's great ways to fa to, to filter that. Mm -hmm. You work with the people in that community that know that community to make sure that the people are handled in the right way and, you know, treat it with respect. Um, I don't know. There's so many different ways. I mean, that's actually one head. of the best. That's one of the best that is I've heard. I mean, because I don't law enforcement is necessary, but is it? In fact, the word I just said, not law enforcement, man. Pretty much security. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's literally all we need—a security. Yeah. You tell me a place like England can 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 work with cops that have no guns. You tell me we can't do that in America. I understand America has a massive amount of guns. Sure. Everyone has guns, especially here in Texas. Um, you're telling me that it's necessary for a cop to have, you know, all these weapons, sure. all these things. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense make to me. No. And you know, how, I, it, so an unprecedented year and a half of all of our lives was fraught with not only fear of medical conditions, mm. fear of racial tension, mm -hmm. violence, like all of it, man. And it, it really kicks many people to the ground emotionally. Yeah. Coming back, we're on an upswing, at least where things feel like they're getting clearer, well, maybe a are, little better. They're open. The conversation was open up last year. Yeah. I mean, that conversation's always been there. Yeah, but do you, I think people were forced to look at things. Do, do you feel, maybe optimistic's too strong of a word, but that maybe change, policy change I'll can be made? My, I've always been, I'm optimistic about everything. Yeah. I can't, there's no going back. If we can't learn from shit, mm -hmm. I do not know. Then I have no hope in, the, in humanity. Sure. And for me, that's a horrible place to live, and I might as well go back to drinking and fuck it all. Yep. That's the artist mentality right there. Yeah. By the way, coming to oh, you. Oh, I got that. If you're right, that's a poetry right there. Burn it but, all uh, down. But, you know, but I am always optimistic. And the thing is, there's just real, and back to bring it back to my sobriety, it's just facing truth of the reality. Mm. Reality is just the truth. If Texas in the South could live in a could 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 allow their kids to learn the real nature of what happened in mm -hmm. this country to African Americans, mm -hmm. to Asian Americans, to Hispanic, uh, Latinx Americans, mm -hmm. and you can allow them to learn the real thing. No one's trying to fault no one. We understand you, this generation's not a part of that, mm -hmm. but it's something that people need to learn instead of teaching a narrative of like the Confederacy was great mm -hmm. and it was something that we needed to save. And that, that like, that is a, that's not what that's not correct. Sure. You know, and, and it makes me very, uh, it just makes me angry. It doesn't make me not optimistic that more people are not learning this. My thing is too, is always open up your talk, your, the, the conversation, like I've talked to people. I remember I went to go pick up something on Marketplace, a bike in Sealy. 
And I was having a conversation with a guy, and this is deep in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't want to wear a mask when I showed up. <laughs> I mean, that's silly for you. But we're out there. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, we're out. I was like, all right, cool. I'm wearing my mask, bro. Um, nice bike. I was wondering why he had that bike. You see, I was even judging. Uh-huh. Horrible thing, right? Don't judge this older white dude for having a really nice road bike. But like, I buy from. But we had a conversation for like thirty minutes, and I say, open your conversation up because he asked me something because it was deep in the thing. I think uh, it was uh, James Blake. James Blake. It was, or was the cat's name that got shot? Now I feel like it's oh, in the I, yeah. back. Something that just happened. Oh, that just happened. No, I can't yeah, so not even just happened. Back then it happened. Okay. And he was just asking me about it. And he was asking me about, you know, Black Lives Matter. And he was just being sincere, actually, about, like, what do you think? And can you just explain some things to me? Like, he literally was asking me. And I was like, yo, dude. And I started talking. We just had a little dialogue for, like, 30 minutes. Yeah. And I was like, we should open the conversation up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Cats want to understand, dude. That's all it is. As I, I don't, I don't think... That is hard, and that's the thing too. Is all these taboo things that we've allowed to say. This is too taboo to talk about. We can't talk about race. We can't talk about sex. We can't talk about you know alcoholism, mental health issues. No, it's too hard to talk. No, it's not hard to talk about. It's, it's very easy to talk about. And yeah. It's the way that we help um, um, educate younger people, younger generations, when we can have open dialogue and when we're comfortable talking about this kind of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm comfortable making drinks still as mm-hmm. a person who doesn't drink because I understand that it doesn't like run my life. It is something I am passionate about making cocktails and the world of it. But I understand now that I am not bounded by it. Bjorn used to be in association with partying and drinking and that I yeah. cut that tie. And now I am someone who is in the profession of making drinks. I am in hospitality. I understand it. I am an educator. I am a consultant. Yeah, I am that. Not the partier Bjorn, which is what the aspect of what I had and what I thought that career was. But you learned how to divorce the two things. I learned how to divorce the two things. And it's because I was willing to be honest, truthful to myself, that it was all facade that kept me from wanting that. That's what I really wanted, right? The the consulting, the creativeness, Mm -hmm. all that. Not the party part of it. You know, I can do without the. Co- I'd see it now. I can do without the cocaine, the drinking, and all that, yeah, and the sure. bitching too. Here's the well, here's the factor too. I'm gonna tell this to everyone who's in the industry: the constantly getting off and then bitching about oh, your work. God, I know, man. That shit got so tiring. I think that's probably what drove me fucking mad. That I, I was the fun one. I really was because I was like, can we not talk about what mm-hmm. we just went through? It's it's, <laughs> it's toxic, man. It's so toxic. Yeah. You gotta stop. If you don't like your job. Don't do it. It's right. This is mostly service. I'm coming at y'all service. <laughs> okay. But but uh yeah, bartenders, we don't care. It's our job's yeah. great. <laughs> but um, So was it so was it a series of events that led you to sobriety? Was it a particular event or Man, you'd be surprised. I it, it, you'd be so surprised, Mike. I did not it didn't take rock a rock bottom, which I had so many so many dude up to that point um to actually kind of get me straight what had happened is what had happened was <laughs> i was um i was at arrive as a general manager and we had just opened up arrive mm-hmm. and you know i was there four months prior getting everything started yeah but at during those times i was still drinking heavily mm-hmm. um 
<laughs> trying to luckily i didn't have the whole beverage program but i was writing cocktails right. at that point i didn't have the whole beverage program and i was writing cocktails and you know everything was just coming by so easily and i was just fucking getting wasted every night and, and then we finally opened and then I, the reality hit that i was like you have to be consistent don't you oh. like you have to continue to write <laughs> it can't just be this one-time thing brother or it's gonna or you're gonna fail yeah so i started taking a little serious i was still drinking i remember at one instance i sat outside of my apartment my roommate at the time i'm not gonna say his name but he was kind of a kind of a downer to me as well mm -hmm. and i just started looking at his life my life and what was happening and i remember i was sitting outside september 30th of 2019 sitting outside and i was smoking a cigarette last cigarette i smoked too <laughs> wow um because i stopped smoking and drinking at the same time i just Talk, thought to myself, I was like, you know, dude, do you do you want to be successful? Do you want to survive? Because honestly, I really, really thought I was going to die, and it was it was a weird feeling, you know. Yeah, I don't I've know. Been, I've been there. It was a weird feeling because I was like, I was getting too lucky. I don't even say lucky. Is it? Maybe I wrote a song lucky. exactly about this, and this is not to press myself, but mm -hmm. I say it's the song's called "It's Gonna Find Me." Yeah, because mortality. Is gonna find it's me. gonna come yeah right yeah exactly and my thing is like that's actually beautiful i want to hear that yeah. <laughs> but and i dude i'm an emo kid at yeah. heart. i i love sad bastard music i love like you know and i'm very but in reality i'm also that that guy who wants to be sitting on the porch old married mm -hmm. you know just like watching the grandkids and shit like i kind of want that shit too yeah like no no joke and sometimes they and don't go order, together right exactly in yeah. order to do that you can't be like i don't want to bottom out and actually past when i made it past 27 i was like oh shit i have to live this life <laughs> you know so, so like you know so you know so you have to kind of like make your you have to you have to make this conscious decision of really what it is you want mm -hmm. and i sat there and i really i was like man i want life because i really knew if i kept down that road i would I would bottom out for real. Yeah. Like all those bottom outs that was happening, they happened and it could have been the end, mm -hmm. but something kept getting me out of that. When you, when you talk, we all, when we choose optimism, mm -hmm. we find it in, whether it's inspiration from art, potentially therapy leads us to do that. Sometimes sure. it's spirituality, religion, whatever. Is That's there, what I was gonna say. Is there like a school mm. of thought for you that helped you there, a little you know, more? Than I others? mean, like I was gonna say in in the in like uh, AA and, and um, the recovery, not necessarily just the recovery yeah. community, but particularly AA is like your higher power, right? I grew up Baptist. I consider myself spiritual. There's been a point in my life where I remember I was really fucked up in Houston. I found. Uh, uh, dharma at one of these chicks house i was messing with mm -hmm. funny it was oddly just really high <laughs> in, the, in, in the book in in her bookshelf and i found the dharma and i read that i remember reading all of it and that's when i kind of clicked in my mind like oh yeah suffering is important and needs to happen and then i really started liking like buddhism mm -hmm. and you know and i realized also that's a practice everything's a fucking practice man yeah. you know the thing you do as recovery itself is practicing you know they got recovery dharma there's so many ways to be sober mm -hmm. and there's so many ways just to respect life you don't have to be necessarily sober but know what excess is and know what suffering is and know that the shit's coming like you said mortality is coming yeah like your mortality it's here it's every it it, it surrounds you and yeah. that's actually what keeps you anxiety ridden shit but the thing that i love right the thing that really drives me and i believe it does you as well is that creativity 
and the fascination. I see your collection of liquor. Mm -hmm. You get to taste a piece of every nation. Yeah, every exactly. isn't that an amazing thing when you think about it? Yeah. So it has nothing even to do with being drunk. I'm drunk off the feeling mm -hmm. of being able to explore these natures through a smell, through a little taste of something. I can still do that. When I was in Oaxaca, I didn't have to drink excessively. Mm -hmm. You know, I got to taste these liquors. I was dead sober the whole time. I mm -hmm. can't believe I actually pulled that trip off. It was crazy <laughs> going into these palenques and not being able to drink. Like, I was like, wow. Two years you know ago, I mean? Bjorn would have, I would have been, I, I couldn't wouldn't be able to tell you which distilleries I was at, yeah. any of them. I wouldn't be able to tell you. But, but it's, it's more of an acceptance of, like, really being present in life. And it's a scary thing. It was so scary. But it's also a very beautiful thing. You know, even when you're inebriated or a little tipsy too, mm -hmm. be present. Yeah. You know, I I can't tell you how many beautiful dinner experiences I've missed out on because I went too hard on the pairing or drinking. Yeah. Unfortunate. At least I can still say that I was there. I was there. Like yeah. I was in I was in Bilbao. <laughs> you know, I was in I was in I was in I was in Paris. Yeah. I was there. <laughs> I think. <laughs> There's this concept lately that it took me a while to get here because of pretty brutal relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, in emo kids, we, I think we yeah. expose ourselves to that a little bit more because we want to suffer, you know, especially mm -hmm. when we're writing lyrics. Oh, fire mm -hmm. for fuel for flame, right? But there's this concept of manifesting. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with this term? Manifesting like you're, you're like saying you're, the things that you want, right? Now you're fine. The, mm -hmm. the things that the world can deliver to you, but if only, only you're open to it, mm -hmm. you know? And I think one of the things is acknowledging your mortality and understanding that you still have plenty of experiences left that you can have 100% as long as you open your lens. Yes. yes. You know, and I don't know if, if if positivity is one of those things that for you has beget positivity back. I 100% think so. Yeah. Um I feel like and I even beyond when I was not sober, my attitude was always positive. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that kept me with the job. You know, I never yeah. lost the job because of my alcoholism or you know i was very very tardy a lot of the times yeah. <laughs> or never showed sometimes but i never lost a job because of the way i carried myself and the way i cared about people and the mm. genuineness that showed up when i came to work because in all honesty i i enjoyed creating experiences for people mm -hmm. i really do you know and i don't I, i've been nominated for things i've been thought that i've had people laugh behind my back I'm pretty sure don't think I'm a great bartender. You know, honestly, that's not what I do. I'm a hospitality person. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a professional. I'm someone that makes a, uh, a, a, a an experience for people. And you know what makes me happy? When I'm hanging out somewhere, I do a private event somewhere, and someone comes up to me and they remember me from Motoko. Nice. And Key. And that shit happens all the time. Well, they'll remember me from some obscure... I had someone remember me from Pesce. Oh, my gosh. That's 2011. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, who... I mean, yeah. My name is Bjorn. I'm black. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. yeah. But at the same token, man, it's like... It would be like, oh, I remember you, Bjorn. But no, I, it's been like, oh, I remember you made me that drink. And, man, dude, that was so... You know, or... you know, And, it, and, then, and then I remember, wow, this is why I do this shit. This is why I did that shit. Mm -hmm. Like, none of that is like... I, I can't take any of that back. I you know I did it and it's it's a lovely thing. Now, do you, real quick to that mm -hmm. point, right? Mm -hmm. Another thing I think about when you let the world in, it gives mm -hmm. you more opportunities. Positivity does that. Sure. Do you let yourself feel appreciated? 
by these people. You've impacted mm. them, right? But it's an acknowledgement that you're a good person to some extent because other people are kind of telling you that, mm-hmm. that you made a positive impact on their life. Is that an easy thing for you to take in? You know, I really never, I don't honestly sit there and actually, I take it in. I'm like, oh, this is great. Thanks. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I think I then killed my ego so much, at least, you know, recently that if I hear anything or someone tells me something, it's just like, I kind of internalize it. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, all right, cool. I'm working. I'm working on me still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Still working on me. Uh, I definitely take it. You know, I definitely, you know, I definitely appreciate it. Um, but, you know, my thing is, you know, I'm still working on myself. I still, I, you know, it, it's crazy. You know, I'm 37. I just turned 37. I'm like, I don't even think I'm like halfway mm. to where I need, where I'm supposed to be sure. in my journey of, you know, career and life. Yeah. Uh, I think I might just be fucking starting, which is crazy. That's crazy to think. Like, yeah, I, I I have that feeling. It's a weird feeling, Mike. Like I have mm. it in me. Like it's, it's like it's just like this is actually the beginning of it. Maybe it's just Act Two, though. Yeah, you know. Maybe I mean? it's Act Two. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird. It's, it's weird. The, the redemption yeah. story when that kicks in. You yeah, know? I I moved here from Houston in 2011. Man, I had I had an idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. I had fell in love with Bobby Hugo style bartender mm-hmm. in Anvil. I didn't work there. Obviously, I was at Davenport. AKA, I'm not gonna say that. I was gonna say I'm not gonna say what I was gonna say. <laughs> but Davenport was a great place. It was a great place to work. High volume, you know. Got to make all the Stoli cocktails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, no, it was a great place to learn. And I came here wanting something so much more and failing first, you know, at Pesce, and and then like all of a sudden, all these weird things just started putting me in the right place. Yeah. I don't know. It was like something that was working, like the universe was working its hands really well. Like I just was at the right place all the time. You know, I got to work Fun 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 Fest, met all these people on this side, you know, Mohawk. You know, I get to Friedman's. Friedman's launches me into the whole world of, um, you know, restaurants. Yeah. You know, um, and then all of a sudden, I don't even know what the fuck happened. Like I'm here. Now it's like, oh, Bjorn's like been in the Austin beverage scene. He's one of the, OG. OG. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. 10 years. Uh-huh. You told me this in 2011. I would have been like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I was working at Mo. I was cracking Lone Stars at, at Mohawk. Yeah. You know, like, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I had, I had almost given up. But you, you didn't. Know? Right? But I didn't. You know, and it's crazy. You know, it's 2021, and, you know, I, I, I'm, I write cocktails with ease. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, um, talk about you know spirits and i talk about my life to people and they care it's like it's crazy i don't you know i'm like what the hell is going on and, and it's weird like, one of the things you said i think i think is fascinating is that while you're working on yourself which mm. is an ongoing process obviously for everybody yeah and if they don't partake they're really not living life to the fullest like, no not at all but the, at some point you're you'll be older and you'll still need work because you always do and I always do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do, this is not even a bit of advice, but if you don't let yourself feel appreciated, sometimes you might not actually feel seen and heard. Sure. You know, and sure. not to say you're blocking that out, but I've just realized that here lately that that was something that I'd, I only got another, I would only let myself accept in other ways. Mm. Romance, right? 
It's like, oh yeah, she loves me. Cool. Everyone else is saying, we really appreciate this and this. And I'm like, I just wouldn't let it in until like the past month. Mm. And I'm, you know, I'm about four years older than you. So it's something that's just like that I've I need, learned. You know, I need to hear that. A hundred percent I need to hear that. Like, thank, thank you. Yeah. Because in all honesty, I, I, I never, my, it's, it's the, it's the still rolling anxiety in me, I think. And it's still like overworked mm-hmm. mentality that I've always been that kind of just keeps me like, nah, don't take that. Yeah. Keep going. Good. Thank you. <laughs> you know, like, right. so I never really, um, stop and appreciate that. Yeah. And, and you're right. It's like time. But like I said, I like to be present and I'm trying, and actually that's the biggest thing in my recovery is like really working on being present. Mm-hmm. I think it's an important thing. I said it earlier. It's like, that's how you, in- you can only enjoy by being present precisely uh yeah so it's something and i just it took me a long time to learn it mm-hmm. and sometimes what well, it's not even really about love as much as it's about appreciation but those two things yeah. that goes hand in hand, hand you know yeah. but just letting it in is, is, is a weird thing but mm-hmm. it's it's, it's unnatural yeah. it's like nah but i'm not done yet I oh i've ran away from plenty of, excuse me plenty of love <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I think I still am sometimes. I have to appreciate for people this little. Yeah, the idea is like fleeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a inside. Look, I'm a romantic, and you know, it's, yeah, like, it's dude, creative. Guess, you know, yeah. Jimmy Eat World ruined a lot of shit for us. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> Can you still see uh, the butterflies growing? Because God, it wouldn't even be that for yeah. me. Is Deftones? Oh, like, what's uh, that's my whole. It's not like they're like super drowny, but if you look into all those uh, odd nonsensical poetry oh, that Chino, Chino does. Yeah. I'm like, Chino's just over here, you know, talking to me and then I'm hearing the cure and depression and stuff. And I'm like, oh, but there's some happy cure songs. I was at eighties night last night. So I got eighties. <laughs> it's all real in my fresh. It's, all, the, it's real fresh in my mind. Man. One thing though, that I was, and I've got a couple more questions for you, but mm-hmm. this innate creativity, this innate for hospitality and being mm-hmm. hospitable and caring, et cetera. And even maybe the emo bits, but <laughs> your folks are this way. My mom is an art. So yeah, let me tell you, I don't know. I never really talk about my mom too much, do I, man? My father, for for instance, let me say, I was a um, product of a uh, of an affair. So, oh, uh, my father was a minister of finance uh-huh. in Liberia. Holy shit! In the eighties, uh, my father's actually on a UN ban list. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, because he was highly involved with the with the uh, with uh, Charles Taylor, who was a dictator, all along the west coast wow, of Africa. Dude. So that's where I that's my father. I don't yeah, pr- yeah. I obviously don't have any ties with this man. Yeah, um, my mother is a, an amazing artist, man. She's multi talented, amazing painter. Probably one of the best like seamstress I ever. She she focuses mostly on that. She does like seamstress work. Uh, for, designing for clothes yeah. um everything Got it. absolutely everything um and you know her penmanship's awesome too like her calligraphy work is like beautiful mm. so it like i i never when i was younger i used to think i used to just kind of like copy her mm-hmm. i didn't think i was a natural, natural artist i don't think i'm a natural artist when i was younger i was a lot more patient than i could draw i get like if I, you told me to draw something right now it take me a second to be like, blah, 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 you know, but I can draw. Like yeah. if I really put my like all into it, I understand 
Nice. But it's something I used to do like daily when I was younger. Okay. I used to be highly, highly into her work and I would just copy her. So I got all that artistic part and stuff from my mom. Yeah. Um, I started to kind of break away from all that as I went into like middle school because I got and also her musical taste. Let's just say that too because my mom listens to extremely good music. She's mm. fucking hip for an old lady. Nice. Like, <laughs> like, like, really, she really is, dude. Yeah. Like, I like I'm lucky. Like the the taste of music I have is again linked completely to her. Yeah, you know, like my mom is jamming like she she was jamming like Bowie, and you know also like Phila Kuti. And you know what I'm saying, and that's in the time frame of when it was happening, yeah, right? Not yeah. like something like oh now like all the hipster kids listen to that. My mm-hmm. mom's a hipster then, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, and you know, like I got all this like you know that kind of cool swag from her. Also, she's a very out there, which that's the one thing I don't think I have from her. And I kind of got that in doing in in coming into the hospitality. Kind of like grew mm-hmm. into like that. She's very much about taking care of people, having parties. Oh, okay. and I wasn't like that. I was very very like and i and i do believe people are introspective and and ex and the bland right i think they have both yeah yeah but a little bit more of what you know i was a lot more to myself and Mm -hmm. reserved when i was younger um it took a lot for me to break my shell um that didn't come to like middle school and i did that as a (laughs) as kind of like retaliation against my my mom and I had a stepfather who was yeah. a crackhead, so I used to be kind of an asshole. When I was yeah, a, sure. So, and I did that through comedy. I used to get in trouble just fucking talking shit, and that's what got me in the theater, actually. Yeah. Because I did theater. And you do musical theater? Art. I totally did. I was in chorus line. <laughs> you guys see my face. They can't see my face right now. But. <laughs> you don't even know it. Step, kick, kick, push, hit, up. Imagine Bjorn I mean, in, in a leotard. And, and some, so agile. And some, and some, yeah. Yeah. Al was a chubby, agile teenager. <laughs> I was. I quickly uh, went to the tech side of theater <laughs> after I realized, even though I have some sort of uh, movement, like I, I wasn't really always cracked up to be, to yeah. be in the in musical, but I enjoy it. And I really do. And yes, I love musical theater. Screw everybody. Now you know it. I love it. I love theater. I think it's, I think it's a beautiful art form. Sure. Um, you got a favorite by chance? Favorite musical? Favorite musical. Oh, that's a great question. Um, Hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, that is a hard question, actually. I haven't thought about musical theater. I haven't theater thought about it in a, for a long. Whole, I, I honestly. Man, can I pick Oh, man. I don't know if I can pick one. Right yeah, now. Phantom of the Opera, I still love. Phantom's a great musical. And all the, like, uh, Miss Saigon's good. Yeah. Like, Most of the Andrew Lloyd Webber stuff. Cats is great. Cats is good, yeah. Um, Man, what's the. It's not. It's kind of like. Actually, honestly, Chorus Line's up there because oh. I remember it was like one of the first ones I was exposed to. Sure. I enjoyed it. And just the kind of rawness of it, too. What was the one I'm thinking of that they put on? Is it Hair? Hair? Yeah. Yeah, it's because it's like rock opera-ish. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's you know? an interesting one, yeah. Yeah, but the reason, you know, I wanted to write, I want to write a musical. I still want to write a musical. I'm like, <laughs> like that's not a joke. I want to write a theatrical musical. That's this is fucking like tri- brilliant. Like that, I want to do that one day. It doesn't have to be. I, 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 I'll, hey, if you don't need have somebody to help write tracks with you. Yo, I've tried to gather my friend Tony. He does the drum. I'm like, dude, can you write it? Look, so I had an idea. Man, I shouldn't say this out loud. Yeah, I don't care. Manifest. Because if I sound manifesting, screw it. I've already, I've actually already talked about it with people, but I wanted to write a semi loosely a story based on Prince. Oh, wow. Or like a musical based on Prince and taking elements of 
Purple Rain ish, uh-huh. but it's supposed to tell a story. And the thing is, too, I also don't want to like step on toes here because I do not know the the, the, the transitional thing of being a trans person Uh but to actually use or not use that's wrong context here Uh to have a person going through a transition as someone who starts as a yeah i want to say female and or male goes into the female sure in the prince story and it's supposed to be a story i wanted the musical to be kind of like the story of like you know acceptance um inclusion transformation mm-hmm. change and just deal with topics that have to do with almost everything the sexuality in which honestly prince is that that person mm-hmm. that was so rawly talented so talented and yet like kind of like looked at so weirdly by black folks <laughs> right. and then also but he was so talented it was like people kind of over they were like no he's androgynous but that's lovely right it's it's great it's such an interesting place on that spectrum of sexuality yeah or, or lack of sexuality like, exactly either, either way like i can even say and i love super it fluid. and i actually got to witness one of my coworkers over a three-year period due transition mm-hmm. and we worked together every night I can't imagine. I can't. I've asked. I asked them so many questions, mm-hmm. and I've every step of the way. Ex mm-hmm. ex army vet. Yeah, you know, going to transition to be a female, and it, it was just fascinating to see. Yeah. I just was curious about. It. I'm still yeah. curious. About I'm, that. I, that's what I say. I always. I don't want to step on toes. I talked about this idea once with one of my yeah, friends, yeah. and she was very much like, dude. Mm. And she's like, if you do do it, obviously get someone who yeah, knows just it. get people. And I do to- have friends. I do have friends who's been through this, and I definitely want to. I honestly want to do it, and I think it's an important, not just as in as a theater, mm-hmm. literature, music, really does shape culture and mm-hmm. shows people culture and and explain certain. That's when a lot of musicals explain homosexuality, uh, you know, racism, social injustices. Yeah. And such, and that's what's so lovely about them. There's comic, there's comedy to it. Mm-hmm. There's drama to it, right? That's the two main factors of those and you things, can't right? Play it too safe. No, not at all. It will, it'll it'll defeat but, the message. And right? the reason I wanted to even tell a story is that even as a black man, because a lot of people who do experience, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, oppression, mm-hmm. you know, for sexuality or you know, being someone different. I feel like I still kind of understand, but I don't. You know, it's like I can't tell a trans a person who's transitioning. You understand me as a black person. It's like you're inside yourself. Mm-hmm. I I experience it a different way. Like right. I was born a black man. It's a different situation altogether. Yeah, and you're born a different like a sex that you are not. Like you have to they they molded this around you, but that's not you, mm-hmm. right? I would I can I can only imagine if I was born and someone told me, hey, you have to be white. <laughs> right yeah like, you're black but you kept telling me but, you know, but, like, but you know, both, like it's both crazy scenarios have uh, we all have to recognize that we're all different exactly and that's what makes us special but that's what makes us all the same as well mm. and so that is that's always kind of the lens because it's just empathy like i don't it's know empathy. yeah so you tell me you i'm tell gonna me. ask you and that's and the only you... thing again it comes back to that whole thing about truth and just learning and having these dialogues man. exactly i want to have this like there's so much shit i don't know like i start to just you know, I, I want to soak this up, and I want to be a person that actually helped the cause mm-hmm. of something. So of of everything, you know. Mm-hmm. So I want I want to be told the right things. I want to be able to explain things to other folks, to my family, mm-hmm. because some people in my family are ridiculous. You know, just because oh, yeah. I'm a liberal 
person don't mean I ain't got conservative people in my sure, family. I got some conservative black African family members, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Not necessarily Trump supporters or any of that kind of stuff, but they're conservative and they're they got some backwards views. And I'm per se backwards, but very, very uh harsh um conservative views sure. that are just kinda like they're they're kinda old and, and they need to kind of realize that conservatism doesn't necessarily mean that you impose the will of a religion on upon someone mm-hmm. or impose that 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 your all beliefs on someone we follow a strict thing in america that is, is there's laws there's right there, i don't go by the laws of a bible the, or the laws of a, a a holy book i go by the laws that are placed here to keep society fairly right and some of them i don't agree upon yeah of course but i have not. to but but uh, Right. And I have one question, but this is one, one analogy because I was talking about, again, this manifesting thing. You have to imp- embrace all of it mm-hmm. to get all of it or even a fraction of it back. And sure. I, by that, I mean life, right? But if your whole belief system is a book-ended set of pages that, in fact, limit your beliefs, they actually are numbered to 300-something pages, okay, well, you realize there's so many other things in the yes, exactly. other books, the Bible and all that, but... You just can't live that way. And yeah. it is, back to your point, it's all about dialogue. Mm-hmm. And so you're doing consulting. There's something you mentioned to me, which I won't mention here. You're free to, of course. But what's the <laughs> next big piece on the horizon for you? Oh, it's so many things, right? I just talked about, like, it was crazy. This is probably the craziest conversation you've had in a, in a bit. Oh, that's no, good. It started with, like, film and then uh, more. You said it a bar with me ever? Because it's kind of. This is the same conversation? Like okay, cool. I, I like it. I mean, these are, I love this conversation. It can go everywhere. <laughs> I'm all about it. Um, really, you know, I like I said, I'm moving into. I knew this was coming. Uh, I I'd worked with brands before in the past. I've obviously. Uh, I'm a skank, and I've been <laughs> I've been in the how the wheelhouse of almost every brand here. You know, Wild Turkey and Campari, right? Uh, shoot, you know, Balcones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I've been in all these brands. I've helped out like so. Now I'm moving into a little bit of brand work to see what I think. And I always think again with being in this field mm. uh, and in this community, I've grown so much. In 17 years, and yes, it's been 17 years, and I think about that sometimes, and I'm like, wow, didn't expect that one, um, but I really want to take my hand at ambassadorship, mm-hmm. which is something I just told you I'm going to be working with a zero spirit brand, uh, 0.5%, I <laughs> yeah. guess, I don't know, that's nothing, it doesn't even translate into your body, but yeah, it's a spiritless 74 or spiritless 74 kentucky non-alcoholic yeah. whiskey <laughs> i know you guys are like non-alcoholic whiskey you are mad but yeah i'm gonna try i'm gonna try my hand at that and you know really the hope is to take what i do and really insert a lot of the creative stuff i've done before in life into it mm-hmm. i really want by the time i'm 40 to be running what I went to school for gra- graphic design or some kind of film, some kind of creative uh, like a firm? studio or firm. Yeah. 
something that doesn't i'm a marketer dude i can do it i know i can mm -hmm. i see what these people do here they're fucking horrible excuse me <laughs> like <laughs> like i mean i see some things and i'm just like i could do that so much better of course and, I, and it's a and it's a and it's like I, I i could either wait until someone gives me a chance or i can do it my damn self so i'm working towards that and i think by doing ambassadorship and working with like you know a few brands in which with this with this non-alcoholic uh brand i'll be able to work with other brands as well because <laughs> it's no alcohol in it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's not i'm not breaking any rules here um so it'll give me a, a lot of time to learn a whole bunch of things from people and i have time yeah and really that that goal is to to pivot this into something super creative and be a marketer and you know work in that work in that realm because you know there are lifers in the industry I am not one. Mm -hmm. I I've, I love being behind a stick. Don't get me wrong. I still do private events when when needed. Um, I'll still do consulting and write when I can and it's necessary. Uh, but I understand that. You know, I I've, I've reached the the ceiling. I don't know what more I can do in the industry other than in, in, encourage new bartenders, no, new server. Forward and stuff. Yeah, I can yeah. pay it forward. I'll definitely. I would love to. To, to 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 you know be the the one to come in and talk to new because i know we're in a stage now too where it's highly needed it's absolutely needed, you know yeah. um so i mean that's why my that's why my feet are still i'm still in it mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying i'm not necessarily gone yet that's what i'm saying by 40 this is where i want to be sure. and it's i mean but, that <clears throat> it makes sense i think a lot of things you're verbalizing i've talked to people in private about mm -hmm. uh, in terms of growth and having ceilings and the only mm -hmm. way to get around the ceiling is to quite move laterally away from yeah. the ceiling and so i think you get that with the brain work so finally it's been years i think since we've been trying to do this thing to sit down and chat you know yeah and yeah <laughs> it, it, been a, been a, but i mean it felt like maybe two years but it might have been five years you know took a pandemic, pandemic <laughs> to come took a back pandemic y'all that's right so it's been just an absolute pleasure chatting mate yeah it's such a I, I mean it's crazy some of the things i've told you here today i don't think i've ever said out loud to a lot of people so i feel real privileged this is that, kind of so. kind of crazy so if a lot of cats are going to hear about my my father who's the minister of finance that stole money from the country and <laughs> work, work, worked with a with a warlord. Fun uh, facts with <laughs> fun Bjorn. Fun fact about Bjorn. Yay. Um, yeah, but you also find out my mom's creative, and you know I love her to death. She's been very positive in um, my life from afar too, because she lives in Africa. Mm. You know, and I, you know, I got a chance to see her in Paris in 2017. It was the only way we could see each other because she couldn't come back in the states. Mm. Um, uh, so. Yeah, man, I've been real blessed to be in it. Look, we, look at the work we get to do. And that's another thing I, I like encourage to tell people if you want to be in this field. It's not about just partying all the time. I've been able to travel. Mm -hmm. I've been given like opportunities to work with so many lovely and creative people, talented people. I've been able to meet crazy amount of people, mm -hmm. make drinks and entertain people because I put, <laughs> at times, I put a lot of like effort into what it is i do and a lot of love into that into the craft and again it's not just cocktails it's also the creativity you keep your mind expanded man like i love i get my influences from movies from mm -hmm. music from other people literature and i'll read much but when i read i read you know like and and i read things i like i watch youtube videos like crazy mm -hmm. about too. just crazy shit like not like conspiracy but no you know, i love like vox videos and you know just things on almanac videos that just tells you stuff about like 
you know, just weird things that's happened in history. Like yeah. I literally watched the history of the word okay. Yeah. Because it's interesting old, old to me. Choctaw or something? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's something that, it's like all correct or something. Uh-huh, I can't right. remember what the hell it meant. It was like in the publication in the in the in the seventeen hundreds or yeah. something, and it just became a part of the slang of the vernacular. That's that's nuts. You know, when you think about that though, that's the kind of shit like if I'm writing a drink later, yeah. I was like, you know what? I want to make a drink called okay, and I'm gonna tell this story. Yeah. about the word okay making this drink you know that's some fucking like it's inspiration yeah and you got to find inspiration in things man um not even just make like again it's not just making cocktails it's whatever it is you're doing you know um i i encourage those who are out there and if you get a chance to listen it's like you know if you i am so blessed to be in this industry man i like i said i came here no idea that i would be where i am 10 years later so you can do that. <laughs> like you can get into this industry and make it a career. Not just me, plenty of folks. Mike, you can see yeah. it. you can make your own distillery, carve your own way. It's yeah. fucking there. It is, dude. And those are no better words, honestly, to end. So we finally did this. So great. Yes. Getting to chat with you, mate, and we'll talk soon, yeah? Yeah, definitely. All right, cheers. Cheers. So there we have it, Bjorn Taylor. It's been a very strange past 18 months. I wanted to talk about all the things. Bjorn has experienced things in a different way, unique way, just as I have. And it's great to come together and talk about this stuff. Talk about the white elephants sometimes, I guess, in the room. You know, sobriety, drinking, where does that come from? It must have been some terrible incident. But in, in all matter of fact, it's just a natural progression for Bjorn. And I can't wait to see where this journey leads him next in the world of cocktailing, but also in brand work. I think he talks a little bit about that as well. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how many episodes of Bar Rescue, now that there's this channel on Pluto you're watching, or or if you're thinking, man, I don't know, the Crackle has this new 13-year-old Russell's Reserve cast strength. I really need to go check it out. Please keep dancing.